Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Today we close out this series, Storyteller. And man, this has been a fantastic series, hasn't it? Man, have you enjoyed the testimony videos that we have been seeing? They've been great, haven't they? And let me tell you, all of our testimony videos, they are available. You can go on our app and you can view them there. Um, You can also go on our social media pages and you'll find links to all of them. And many of you have been sharing them. I know last week's video, um, somewhere around midweek, it was like at 3,500 views online. And so we, we are just excited about that ministry opportunity. And, and I, I had people in Tampa that were sending me emails saying, man, that is exactly what I needed. I needed to watch that testimony. And so we've got such an amazing opportunity. So keep sharing the testimony videos. And, and when you need encouragement, make sure that you go and, and watch those videos because they continue to build our faith. The first week of this series, We looked at how there are two sides to every story. And I told you that we've got to choose which side of that story that we're going to tell. And God invites us in to be a part of his story. And I challenged you to tell his story and not your own. When we start telling our side of the story, what happens is is we get down in the dumps. We start, you know, our side of the story just stinks, to be honest. But when we tell about the goodness of God and we tell about what God is doing in our lives, man, it has the tendency to build not only our faith but others. uh, And then the second week, I told you that great victories are not won by individuals. Great victories are won by armies made up of willing individuals. God's story is just simply too big to tell by yourself. And just as God sent Aaron to help Moses, your help is already on the way. God looked at, at Moses and said, Aaron is already come. As we're having this conversation, your help is already on the way. And I can tell you this, that what God wants to accomplish in your life, the help is already on the way. You may or may not know them yet, but God is sending you help. And then last week we realized that the enemy of our souls is trying to steal our joy and he is trying to silence our stories. We looked at the life of Job last week and it's interesting that Satan didn't pick Job. So many times that's how we preach that or that's how we read that, that Satan approached God and said, let me get to Job, but that's not how it happened. When Satan approached God, God actually suggested Job to Satan. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And that's troubling that, that God would kind of sell us out like that sometimes. But, but it's, it's, it's not that at all. It's, I mean, what's better than having faith in God when God has faith in you? When God knows that you are capable, that you are able through his power to overcome whatever snares the enemy has, whatever traps that he has set. And when God believes in you, your story is not over. When God believes in you, there is still more to be written to your story. There's more to be said. We started this series by me telling you that you're not the star of the story, that you're part of his story, history. You're part of his story. But I want you to think about this. Why wouldn't God want to give you a testimony? Why wouldn't he want to turn your life around? Why wouldn't God want to take your life from where it is and put you on a rock? Why wouldn't he want to put you on something solid to stand on? Why wouldn't God want to give you a testimony? I mean, after all, you are his ambassador to the lost. You are his ambassador to the hurting, to the confused people of this world. 
And if your life is a turnaround story that reflects his love and his guidance, then God still gets the glory, right? It's still his story. But the thing is, we've got to make sure that our lives are reflecting that. We've got to make sure that our lives are telling his story. But God wants to put a testimony in every one of our lives. Today, I want us to read one of the greatest turnaround stories of all time. If you will, turn with me to John chapter 11. And most of you in the room who at least attended Sunday school at some point in your childhood you will know the story of Lazarus. This is, this is one of those very common stories throughout God's Word. It's one of those stories that is a big faith builder for us, and so we teach it to our children. And, and for those of you in the room that, that maybe you were not raised in church, there's no doubt that you heard the story of how Jesus raised a man from the dead. And this is that story. This is, this is the story about Lazarus. And, and let me kind of catch you up on where we're going to begin reading Lazarus is deathly sick, and, and his sisters, Mary and Martha, they send for Jesus. They send a messenger, go and get Jesus. And Jesus gets the message, but, but Jesus doesn't drop everything to come straight to, to Lazarus to heal him in his sickness. He, he doesn't just drop everything and, and just go. Matter of fact, he stays in that particular city another two days is what the Bible says. And so he is just not in a hurry at all. And, and he has this conversation with his disciples. And, and finally, after, after waiting two days, he says, we need to now travel and, and we need to go and, and, and get to Lazarus. But by this time, Lazarus is now dead. And so his disciples, they're, they're, they're just thinking to themselves, themselves, you know, we're too late. This, this isn't going to work out. You know, why are we making this trip? And they have to go through a certain area where there are people wanting to kill Jesus. And they said, you remember, Master, the last time we were there, they were ready to, to kill you. Why do we want to go through that area again? Why do we want to do that? And, and Thomas actually is the one that says, uh, let us also go that we may die with him. And he says, listen, if, if he's going to get killed going to, you know, deal with a dead man, I guess the rest of us will just go and we'll all get killed together. I mean, you know, there's not this great faith that's taking place among the disciples in this moment. And so that's where we pick it up. John chapter 11. I'm going to start reading at verse 17. Now, when Jesus came... He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in, in the house consoling her saw Mary rise and quickly, quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Now, there are a few people that their lives are about to be forever changed by the events of this story. I mean, just about everybody in the room knows the rest of this story. We know what happens, that Jesus is going to show up on the scene and he is going to raise this man from the dead. And so you have to, to, to kind of think about for a moment how this affects the people's lives around Lazarus. I mean, first of all, you've got the dead man's sisters, Martha and Mary. Uh, they are grieving right now. Their brother has been dead for four days, and, and, and now uh, Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. I mean, can you imagine being one of those sisters and, and experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? And then you've got the grieving friends. The Bible says the consoling Jews that were all around, they are going to experience something that they have never seen before. They are going to see a dead man rise again. They are going to be amazed by this. And then you've got the disciples who are traveling with Jesus, that, that really they didn't have a lot of faith. I mean, they're more worried about being killed on the way to see the dead man. And, and so their lives are about to be forever changed. And even Jesus, the Bible says that he is moved by this situation. And the Bible says that he wept. But there's no one involved with this true life story that experiences more life change than the man who is about to be brought back to life. There's nobody that gets to testify any greater than he does about the healing power of Jesus Christ. His life is about to be forever changed. You see, his life story was over. In TV terms, he was written off the show. That's what, you, you know, you, you have your favorite characters on your show, and you know how this happens. They, they write them off, and, and, and then you declare you'll never watch the show again until next week. <laughs> the Bible records the last scenes of more than a few key people. I mean, right, off the, right at the beginning of the Bible, we see where Abel was killed by his, his brother. Done. Finished. Uh, King Saul fell on his own sword. And that's the end of his story. That's, that's, that's all you get. Even Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, after he finds Jesus at the temple at 12 years old, you never hear of Joseph ever again. I just messed some of you up, didn't I? You're like, what happened to Joseph? We don't know what happens to Joseph. He was written out of the story. You don't get to find out what happened to this guy. You don't know how he died. You don't know where he went. It's just over. It's, it, it's done. One of the interesting aspects of the TV show, The Walking Dead, is that on any given week, any, I, listen, listen, <laughs> listen, I know you think I lost a bet and I have to say The Walking Dead during this sermon, right? That's what you're thinking. I promise you that's not it. But one of the interesting things about, about this TV show is that on any given week, anybody can die. If you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't watch the show, I'm not recommending that you watch it. If you have a weak stomach, definitely don't watch this show. But it's almost as if the writers don't want you as a viewer to become too comfortable with your favorite characters. And so you know, especially at the beginning of a season, at the end of a season, you know anybody's up for grabs. Anybody can be killed at any moment. And so, spoiler alert, I'm letting you know right now, spoiler alert. 
Now, what's funny is those people that have their fingers over their ears right now, they think I'm about to talk about the walking dead. But I'm about to transition. Oh, you took your fingers out of your ears. Who can forget the episode of Friends? Now, if you're not caught up on Friends yet, you're never going to catch up on Friends, okay? <laughs> Nick at night, every night. It's on, okay? Who can forget the episode of Friends where Joey, the soap opera actor, takes credit for an interview, or during an interview, he takes credit for writing some of his own lines. Anybody ever seen that, that episode? Yeah, we have more Friends fans in this room right here than we did in the first service. God sees your hands. You can't get to heaven unless you raise your hand. You know that, right? <laughs> and so during an interview, Joey, just shooting off the cuff, just makes the statement, yeah, I write most of my lines, you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and the writers of the, the soap opera that he's on, Days of Our Lives, um, it's a show within a show. Some of you are so confused right now. You're like, I thought we were talking about friends. Just stay with me. Um, and, and so the writers of Days of Our Lives, they read the interview. And, and so the next thing you know, they are writing Joey off of the, the, of the soap opera. He's no longer, he was killed off by falling down an elevator shaft and you never hear of Dr. Drake Ramore ever again. I mean, that's, you know, well, actually you do later on, but uh, spoiler alert, sorry, but uh, my bad. Um, and so that's how they wrote Dr. Drake Ramore, the story within a story off of the show. Now, here's the thing. The life of Lazarus was over. The life of Lazarus was over. Everything in the natural says he's done. That's the last time you'll ever read any history on this man. That the natural says it, it's done. But how many of you are thankful that we don't serve a God of the natural? We serve a God of the supernatural. Amen? We serve a God that doesn't see things naturally the way that we see things. That's why he's God and we're not, because we see things in the natural, but God sees things in the supernatural. And when God says it's not finished, it's not finished. But when God says it's finished, it is finished. But for most of you in the room, you have, have already thought to yourself, it's finished. My life is done. My life is over. I've made too many mistakes in the past. Or, or too many people have hurt me along the way. I've made too many bad financial decisions. I've made too many bad uh, relationship decisions. And, and so my life is just over. It is finished. But in the supernatural, God is not done with your life yet. Let's keep reading. Verse 38. Then Jesus Deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The problem with some of you is that you're stuck in the wrong chapter of your life. 
You're not allowing God to take over so that you can flip the page and get to the next chapter of your life. And your problems seem to follow you from one job to the next, from one relationship to the next relationship, from one family reunion to the next family reunion. Your, 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 your past just keeps haunting you over and over and over. And you're never getting to the next chapter, and you can't start a new chapter in your life if you keep rereading the last chapter of your life. I think some of you just like being in misery. You know, there's some people that they like to play the victim mentality. I'm not talking to everybody in the room, but there's some of you, you like being the victim. You like camping out in that chapter in your life, and God's calling you to turn that over to him so that he can write the next chapter of your life. And you can't get to the next chapter of your life as long as you relive the last chapter of your life. Don't judge your life story by the chapter that you're currently living in. You've got to start believing that God has a hope and God has a future for you. And if you don't believe that, then you have to ask yourself, is God's word even true in my life? Because either he's Lord or he's a liar. And you've got to determine if those promises are for you. Do I really have a hope, God? Do I really have a future? And you think that you've just been written off. It, it's over. I want you to look at the next chapter in your Bible. Chapter 12. John chapter 12. First two verses. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Don't miss this. Listen, it's, it's only the next chapter. But the writer's making sure that you don't forget what just happened. He says the problem with some of you right now is you've already forgot what he's done, and that's why you don't testify about, testify about it anymore. Don't forget his benefits. Don't forget what he's already done in your life. And the, and the writer reminds us, this is Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Verse 2, so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. One chapter back, his life is over. One chapter back, he's done. It's 17 verses, if you want to be exact. 17 verses ago, this man had no future. And now he's chillaxing with the Son of God at the dinner table, ready to watch some Sunday afternoon football. You want me to say it again? Cheering for the saints because Jesus was with him. It's just for you. But we all know he was really cheering for the Patriots because God plays for the Patriots, right? No, that's just Tom Brady who has a God complex. My bad. <laughs> Life is drastically different than it was 17 verses ago when you're laying dead in a tomb. Because in the last chapter of life, it looked like there was no hope. In the last chapter of life, 
It didn't seem like there was a horizon out there. It didn't seem like there was anywhere for this man to go. But in the next chapter of life, he's sitting back eating lunch with the Son of God. He is enjoying life. And it is so important that we realize that the last chapter of your life is not the end result. It is not where God is going to eventually land you. The point is, he lived to tell about it after he was dead. He lived to tell about it. His life didn't end with the death chapter of his life. His testimony was just beginning. Some of you need to realize that for your own life. Just because you had a death blow in the last chapter doesn't mean that your life is going to end that way. That God is still the author and the finisher of our faith. And if he's not done writing yet, you still have a victorious outcome. But if you want a different story to tell then you need to change the supporting cast that's involved with your story. Before Jesus arrived, before Jesus arrived, Lazarus had pallbearers. People carrying him to his grave. After Jesus arrived, Lazarus had armor bearers. He had people removing the stone and cutting off his grave clothes. People who were there to help set him free. You see, some of you need to get rid of some of the pallbearers that are surrounding you because they're wolves in sheep's clothing and, and they are carrying you to your grave. You know these people I'm talking about. The ones that tell you, oh, do you remember years ago? Oh man, when you used to get drunk, you were so much fun. When you used to party the way that you did, man, years ago. They're reminding you of the good old days back when sin had its grip on your life and they're trying their best to, to usher you to your grave. They are ready to carry you to your grave. Or maybe it's some of those people that keep reminding you about the past. Uh, uh, people that, 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 that they, they don't want to encourage you. You need people that will encourage you into your future. Not people that keep talking about how much uh, or, or every pathetic problem that you had along the way. You need people to remind you of God's promises. You need people that will prophesy over your life. And I'm not talking about weird stuff. I'm talking about people that will speak God's promises over your life. And if you don't have those people surrounding your life, then yeah, you're going to camp out in the death chapter forever. But sometimes God will change your friends to change your future. God will put people around you that will help usher you into your promise. And today, I want you to hear the turnaround story of a man that changed the supporting cast around his life. I was raised in Newberry, the youngest of four boys and the son of a single parent. Didn't really have much contact with my dad. And, as a um, young man, but he was there as I got older. And in the beginning, life was, was pretty rough. Um, we, it was times where we didn't really have a lot, you know, um, used bikes. Um, at one point, we actually had to boil our water to take baths if we wanted hot water. Growing up without a dad, um, it was, it was pretty rough. I mean, my mom did the best she could for a single mom. She worked a lot, a lot of late hours trying to provide for my brothers and I, but 
it, it, it took a toll on me. Um, you know, I didn't have that leadership. I didn't have that guidance there. During my high school years, I got involved in football, and that seemed to be an outlet for me. I was, something I was, I was really good at. And, you know, we had a great team, and we went all the way to the state championships, and we had several years of, of good, good seasons. During those years is when, you know, my father, he, he came around, my name was in the paper, you know, a few highlights on television. So, of course, at that time, you know, he came, and I, I was able to talk with him uh, briefly. Um, but he had a lot of issues that he was going through at the time, so he couldn't really be there for me um, like he should. Nevertheless, we went on, and I continued to grow into a young man where at this point in time, I was able to go off to school to play college football for a season, and that was a great experience for me. Uh, I went up to South Carolina State University. I learned a lot. Yeah, I was able to make some friends and kind of experience some, some a life away from home. After I came back from college, I found myself um, just looking for a purpose, trying to find out exactly what I was supposed to be doing in life. And during this process, I started picking friends, some which I know I, at this point in time I shouldn't have been around. And as a result, I got myself into um, a different environment. Uh, made poor choices. You know, I was I was around drugs. I was around um, drug dealing, and a lot of that stuff influenced me. And it was uh, at that time it was a way for the easy for easy money. I still didn't get anywhere in life. I found myself still lacking, still wondering um, what was missing because none of that stuff filled the void in my life. During this time in my life. I was in a serious relationship and, you know, I was young, she was young and things just wasn't working. Uh, we were living together, not married, and things were, were, were pretty bad. Um, we constantly argued and it just, life, life wasn't really good at that time. And uh, my lowest point probably was when, you know, I just found myself, you know, living in the house with her. Uh, we had uh, the same mobile home I grew up in, living there, and we had holes in the floor, and sometimes we didn't really have food. And at this point, I was asking myself, what am I doing? I mean, this is, this is not what life is supposed to be like. I realized after 13 years in this relationship that this wasn't the plan God had for my life. I, I felt strongly that he had something greater for me and that that was something that I wanted to pursue. I told her, I was like, you know, I feel like, you know, God has something great for me to do and that's the direction that I'm headed. You know, I'm, I'm willing to give my life to Christ. This is what I wanted to do. Her response was, she wasn't ready for that at that time. And I told her that I was ready and I was willing to part ways with her to go pursue what God had for me to do. And that's what I did. After I left the relationship, God really began growing me and doing the work in me. And I was just, I was really honed for God. I was, you know, that was all I wanted to do. You know, I would work, I had a job at the time and then come home and watch uh, all the Christian television that I could. Through Christian TV and growing in God's Word, 
He was preparing me to become a godly husband. I had a cousin in Orlando, and my last conversation with him was about Sonya Jett, um, this young lady that I met when I was 13 years old. I used to go down and visit my cousin and my relatives, and they lived in the same neighborhood. And when I would go down there to visit, I would always stop by and say hello to her. Uh, I thought she was just the, the most beautiful thing God created. Over the years, as I got older, we kind of lost contact with each other. But through this conversation with my cousin, he started to begin to tell me how she had grew into such a godly and such a great woman at the time. And it was somebody that would definitely make me a great wife. And little did I know at the same time, his last conversation with her was about me and how I would make her a great husband. On December the 2nd, 2006, I was blessed to be able to make Sonya Jett uh, Mrs. Sonya Allen. And that was one of the greatest days of my life. It was, it was a dream come true for me. From the beginning of our marriage, my wife and I, we always trusted God with our finances. We agreed to, to tithe and to, to give offerings to God. And, and we knew to, to honor him that he would eventually bless us and he would always provide for us. And shortly after returning from our honeymoon, God provided for us. We was fortunate enough to be blessed to build our first home. The amazing thing about it is at closing, when we went to closing our home, the builder actually handed us a check. And we couldn't believe it that we were buying a home and we were actually getting money back. And this is just one example of how God has always blessed us and always provided for us. God has also blessed me as a business owner. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be operating my business now for about 14 years. Um, and throughout that process, you know, God has always provided for me. Um, you know, anybody in business knows that, you know, when you're in business, there's a lot of unforeseen expenses, uh, payroll, a lot of costs that comes with operating the business. And sometimes, you know, you don't know exactly where that money's gonna come from. There was a time where one of our trucks needed repair, and I wasn't quite sure on how I was actually going to get it repaired. And I had a conversation with one of my clients about it, and they asked me simply, would I put $5,000 in my truck? And I told her, no, it's the truck, so no, I wouldn't put that much in it. And to her reply, maybe you need to be looking for a new truck. She was offering to buy me a new truck. And apparently, the truck that I wanted to pick out wasn't good enough. She wanted to get me the top of the line Ford F-250 diesel truck. And I was blessed with the opportunity to go to the dealership and hand pick the truck that I wanted. And when it came down to it, we went in the office and she paid for it all. When I finally stopped living my life for me and stopped living my life for God, he put all the pieces together. He blessed me with a beautiful wife. He blessed me with beautiful kids. He blessed my business. And he's blessed me tremendously. I'm a blessed man.
Mark, Sonia, will you guys stand? Thank you for having the courage to share that. Um, there's people in this room that need to hear that today. You know, there's, there's a couple of things that I want to point out to you. Mark made a decision in life that the current chapter that he was living in was not going to be the end of his story. It was a conscious decision that he made that it was time for God to flip the page, that, that this is not the life that he has for me. And then he also made a decision to surround himself with the right supporting cast to get rid of the pallbearers, the people that were taking him to his grave and surround himself with armor bearers, people that love him, care for him, and want to see Christ shine through him. And let me tell you, if God will do that for Mark Allen, God will do that same thing for you. God will do the same thing for your life. And there's people in this room today that you are stuck in a chapter. And the Holy Spirit is prompting you right now. The Holy Spirit is trying to arrest your heart to get you to that place to where you will say, no, this isn't my final outcome. This is not going to be the end of my story anymore. It's time to flip the page. It's time for God to write a new chapter. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.